0: The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. We're making our way back home. I think we'll be all right. Uh, We're going
1: to be going to some pretty deep water. Uh, I'll show you guys right now. Hey, guys, special edition of Diesel Performance Podcast here. We're going to be talking with Art Martinez of PSP Diesel. Uh, He's located down in the Houston greater area. Uh, Art, how are you today?
0: Good, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me back on the show, guys.
1: I've been following you on Facebook, and obviously with Hurricane Harvey tearing through uh, a a huge area of Texas, I keep seeing you on Facebook posting and being out in your truck and helping the neighborhood and helping everybody around. I just wanted you to kind of take a few minutes and tell me about what it's been like to be down there and uh, what kind of stuff have you been up to.
0: I did not take Harvey serious. My wife told me, she's like, hey, you know, this hurricane's coming in pretty strong. I'm like, babe, we'll be all right. Don't worry about it. You know, and about the fourth day into it, uh, my neighbors started kind of throwing out emails that they were running low on food, and some babies were out of food. So I've got a, you know, that 2006 F-250, you know, it's got an 8-inch BDS lift. The water was above the door line, midway. There was a corner supply store that was uh, open, so I called my neighbor, and there was a video out on uh on Facebook where my neighbor's actually walking in front of me with the, with the stick. Kind of gauging the water, and we made it out of the community.
2: I'm gonna walk on the the sidewalk. Okay.
0: Got Mr. Mike there, he's one of my neighbors, cool dude. We're gonna be gauging how deep the water is, and if we can make it up across where that Toyota's at, we'll be all right. Uh, We went out and got some local supplies for for the neighborhood. so I kind of put put together a uh, a donation uh, off of PayPal, my business my business uh, account, and it was amazing to see how much support that diesel community and friends, families, and, and other states gave. We've got a good chunk of change that basically, you know, we've been we've been spending, we've been buying supplies, waters, pillows, blankets, you know, diapers, formula, and, and I've been kind of blasting myself and, and, and anybody who, who's in need of, of supplies. We'll make the trip. We'll get in there. We'll hand deliver them. And that's what we've been doing. We're, we're in a truck right now. We just finished dropping off water up in uh, Beaumont, Texas. Their water supply was cut off. So we loaded up a couple pallets of water. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive just because there was high water. That was today. This weekend, we're hitting Rockport. We're we're going to do a big, big convoy of diesel trucks. We belong to a, to a group within Houston, the Houston Diesels. That group has done some some awesome, some amazing things within the the community. But I gathered up a couple of trucks. We're going to load them up with supplies. Um, we're going to head down there early in the morning and, you know, making pit stops. You know, shelters, families, whoever needs it, we've got it, and we're willing to help.
1: That's just awesome, man. I can't believe, you know— um. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to help in different ways, but you're in the thick of it and, and you're actually going out. You're putting your time, your resources. You're doing literally everything you can for anybody.
0: Coming into to Beaumont this morning, a uh, guy from Cleveland called me and he's like, hey, he's like, how's it looking? What roads are clear? We mapped it out, gave him direction. And he's like, I'm rolling in in a tractor trailer, a 53-footer. He's like, and it's full of supply. And I'm like, awesome.
1: How has this affected PSP? How has this affected the business?
0: We moved into that new facility, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, so we got no water. The only thing that we don't have right now is our phones and Internet. We're up and running, so if there's anybody in the Houston area that that needs help, um, we're, we're back to business.
1: How can people get in contact with you, Art? What's the best way for you to be reached right now?
0: My personal cell phone. I mean, it's my personal cell phone, but it's a, it's a it's a business line seven one three three five nine eighty six fifteen. My personal Facebook Art Martinez. You know, that's, you can send me a private message. You can friend request me. Uh, Instagram. There's. I mean, we've been getting we've been getting numerous requests on, on numerous requests on Facebook, and I've been trying to reply as I'm on the road, kind of doing our thing. But you know, business don't stop. You know, Houston will rebuild and texas will recover so that's what we're trying to do man we've got a crew on ground at the shop and we've got a couple of guys uh out on the streets you know trying to show support and give supplies
1: well just awesome stuff man uh we want to get involved here from the diesel performance podcast we're going to be sending you a hundred bucks uh out of our pockets to get get the ball rolling listeners please uh support art support houston support all of the people out there that really need the help right now please get active let's all uh, get on arts Facebook page there and contact him I'm sure he'll be able to uh, shoot you back a link of where you can go to get the ball rolling on that uh, but we really want to see our listeners try to reach out and try to help these people uh, we got somebody there local who's doing great work let's all uh, let's see what we can do guys. Even if you only got a dollar or two to throw at him, uh, you can jump onto his PayPal account. It's really simple. It's art at PSPDiesel.com. Or you can call Art 713 359 Eight six one five. also want to give a huge shout out to the guys over at XRG Performance. Uh, they've been hooking us up and all of our customers up with those Sportsman injectors. Most popular uh, that I have found for the LB7 and LLY replacement injectors. So we've had guys with just stock trucks that just needed a replacement. The Sportsman works absolutely excellent for that and does give you 10% more flow. And you don't have to retune for them. Uh, they actually support 11 to 16 Duramaxes and 03 to 16 Cummins. Uh, they'll be able to square you away. If you need more information about XRG Performance, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you get any info you need. They've been awesome to work with. Another great sponsor of the show, somebody else who actually makes this show possible, is going to be the guys over at WC Fab. Jason Worley has been a huge friend of uh, Duramax Tuner and the Diesel Performance Podcast since our very start. Uh, Ryan Worley was on recently with his C10 and his swap in it. Um, They just do great work. So if you got an LML and you're looking to upgrade the air bundle package or upgrade to the air bundle package, I should say, they're going to be your guys. You get all new boots, new intercooler pipes, new Y-bridge. You get everything you need to bring your truck to running at peak possible performance. For today, I do have a special treat for you. We got together with Ronnie from C10 Talk so that we could do a podcast together. So you're going to get to hear a ton about C10s. You're going to get to hear a ton about diesels. We'll even talk a little bit about his swap that he has going on here, or that he has coming up here with a 12-valve going into his C10. We're hooked up with Ronnie from the C10 Podcast. Ronnie, how the hell are you? Good, Paul. Good to kind of get on here and uh, just shoot the shit with you, really. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, Ronnie, we've been a huge fan of your podcast. I think you might've even, uh, dredged through and listened to a couple of ours, which we appreciate. Uh, but really what we want to talk to you about is a message you had sent me the other day about a new project you got going, uh, C30 with a 12 valve.
2: Well, that's, that's potential. Um, yeah, we don't want (laughs) to let the cat out of the bag on that one, but, uh, I've got a C30 that I'd like to put the 12 valve in for sure. Um, honestly, the the my biggest stretch is I picked up the Cummins. I had a Cummins back in ninety. well, I had it ninety nine to two thousand and six. Uh, and I love that damn thing. But um the key is is do I put it in this specific c ten or c thirty, if you will? because, I feel like it might almost be a waste it's kind of a novelty it's kind of a cool truck to put it into whereas now i see guys it's like hey bang for your buck put it in a square body a four-door a crew cab something like that where you're really going to get the most from the perspective of torque um horsepower fuel mileage and we get a pick that's the coolest thing so (laughs) we, we joke about it within the group right we joke about um like our dads had to wait. Our grandpas had to wait for this cool shit. You know, it's like, when's right. that new when's that LBZ motor coming out? <laughs> when's the new 24 valve coming out? Well, now we know what's good, and we get to go through and handpick. I like this body style. I like this drivetrain, and I like this power plant. So that's why uh, for my audience, for C10 Nation, you guys out there, Paul and his group, they run Diesel Performance Podcast. It's I found it probably – I don't know, man, maybe two months ago, and I, I've been binge listening. I, I really <laughs> I really want to go off track a little bit. I'm sure this is what I'll do the whole show. But I love how you guys did the first three, and you guys were so like, we're not biased. Uh, Power strokes suck. We're not biased. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to bring all three big boys into this, and uh, and you guys did a cool job. For my audience, if you guys get a chance, we'll link it over. We're cross doing this episode, and uh, I think it's cool to kind of just, you know, if you're driving a daily and you're driving a diesel, uh, if you want to look at upgrades, uh, for me, I'm i can't, I'm going to spend a lot of money with these guys. It's it's really a no-brainer, so check it out, and uh, th- that, that's kind of where it brings me to listening to you guys and then, you know, diving into this conversion, and it was perfect once I figured out where you guys were at. It was like, hey, we're going to have conversion month. And for my audience, you guys did an 85 Scottsdale. You guys just had Ryan on with his 1970 uh, C10, which was in the Builder's Guide. Oh, yeah. Uh, our, our big C10 Builder's Guide. So you guys have been <laughs> and then what you did at 58 Apache. So you guys are speaking our language over here in the Chevy truck world.
1: Yeah, man. No, it, it's awesome. You know, a lot of us came out of the Chevy truck world. And uh, it, it's it's funny you say that about when we got started. We initially planned on being very unbiased and and trying to just give good feedback. But there was also this question of like integrity and honesty that came with it, where when this first launched, I didn't know what a podcast was. So on episode one, that's probably seven days after I listened to my very first podcast ever. Um, Our producer came into the office and was like, hey, we should do this thing. Who wants to talk? And everybody looked at me. So it just kind of launched from there. And then as we started doing it, they were like, hey, we don't care if you swear and you can have a beer before the episode. So I was like, fuck it. I hate power strokes, Um, which back then, that's just the way it was. You know, now I will say, like, they got a 2012 power stroke at the office. I hate admitting it, but it is a blast to drive. There are some, the new 6.7s and newer, they're really hot. I do like driving them. It's pretty much an LML with with an oval on it. But other than that, man, the the swaps have been crazy. They've always had this just amazing pull in the marketplace, whether it's diesel or whether it's gas. I think it's that idea that it, they bring so many people together. You know, when, when like you said, when you can go through and cherry pick and come up with this dream truck, it's kind of fucking awesome. All right?
2: What about except for a van, right? You guys didn't like that. <laughs> oh, my God. The van. I couldn't oh, fucking believe and, it. Uh, <laughs> what uh, are you doing? So a buddy of mine at work, I work in the fire department, he has that same van that, that he was talking about. No. And so uh, a couple episodes ago for, for the C10 Nation, they uh, well, it was like last episode, you guys had uh, diesel conversions on, which is out of Montana. And uh, they asked him, what's your dream you know, conversion? And he said like, a, I don't even know, I think he said like a 96 Econo line van or something Yeah. Full drive. And these guys all shit their pants. And I sent it over to my buddy who has that same thing. And he loves his van. He's spent – he's got more money in this damn van than he does in his house. He literally is all over. He goes to Idaho, Montana. He's gone for – he's just now retired. Oh. But that's the one thing he doesn't like is it's not a diesel. So, uh...
1: <laughs> Tell him to call Sean, man. They'll get him squared away on that. I could not believe it. Here's a guy who literally is involved on, like, some of the coolest Cummins swaps in the entire nation. Like, they are it. They, If you want to look at Cummins swaps – they're the fucking guys, um, and yet his idea is like what I call the most boring vehicle on earth. It, it just is, you know. And then I will say he sent me some pictures of some other cool van swaps that have run, run tens and shit like that, and it's awesome. I get it, you know. I I get it, but
2: yeah. So if that's the if that's the worst, what would you if you could do any diesel swap in anything? What would you put it in?
1: Uh something mid-engine two-seater. I don't know, maybe like a kit car. Uh, Nick had brought up, uh, the owner over here, him and I had had scoped out doing a project. Actually, a year or so ago, we were going to try to trade the Duraburb for a GTM, uh, like a kit car, supercar yeah. kind of deal. And the guy already had an LS6 in it with you know 500 horsepower, and we literally were going to buy it and put a Duramax in it. And ever since then, him and I are both just... On the hunt, you know. So if you have a two door mid engine supercar and you want to get rid of it for dirt cheap and have me pay you much less than it's worth, we would love to be contacted. Uh, All right,
2: I'm I'm sure the C10 Nation. I bet there's like (laughs) ten guys right now that probably have them and they're just waiting to to build uh, something, you know, in perspective to that. But uh, a half built
1: GTM next to their C10. I got it. I got it. Yeah, (laughs)
2: exactly. Whether or not their C10 is completely done. So, so for us, the big thing is. Is a guy's got a C10. So C10s for you guys go from 60 to 87, and technically they can go all the way. And I don't give a rat's ass if it's a C20, C30, because most of the guys that that are going to be looking at converting are actually not going to be C10s. It's going to be a C20, it's going to be a C30, it may be a K20 or a K30, something big boy truck, right? Yeah. Uh, So one thing you and I kind of talked about in perspective of, If you're going to do, you're going to keep your chassis, then you might want to look at Cummins. It seems to be whether it's 12 or 24, or if you're going to want to go Duramax, please, if you want to go Power Stroke, just go ahead and tune into a different podcast. (laughs) You're wasting your time. I mean, you really are. Um, Then I think, you know, the the ideal thing is to do a body swap. And so you keep that truck, you keep that suspension, you keep that drivetrain and and you do a body swap onto that is that what you guys are seeing for the most part in your conversions
1: you know we're, we we do mostly body swaps because of a couple of factors and it's not really to do with Duramax or Cummins it's really to do with the project itself. So when we start off with a project, there's a budget, there's a timeline, and there's a horsepower goal. And if you have those three things, you can pretty easily make a decision about what power plant and do you do a, a full chassis or do you just do a drop-in engine. So like if you're doing a low budget, I, I, I'm hiding the dollars I'm spending on this from my wife, and I need to get this done as quick as possible, and I know nothing about electronics – don't fuck around, do a 4, do a 12 valve, maybe even a 4BT out of like an old bread van. Those are home run no-brainers. Anybody's first try, you could do that. Like there is so much support for it out there. Now, if you want to start building horsepower, you're going to probably talk about a common rail. That that's that's just where we get the most horsepower straight off of the block. You can build high horsepower 12 valves, but you need to have set up for it right so you need to have something that was like the 12 valve ready for it so it has to already have a p-pump on it or be able to p-pump it and a lot of other work along those lines now we've had guys do budget 12 valve builds and make insane fucking horsepower like tyler Kip running in the nines on basically a five thousand dollar build uh, but it's rare you really got to work somewhere or know somebody to do something like that the common rail stuff—that's what we tune. That's that's our world. That's what we live in. It's like we don't do any twelve valve swaps over here, so we immediately start looking at what's our horsepower goal. These older chassis—you said nineteen sixty to nineteen eighty-six. Was that was that the year range?
2: Yeah, eighty-seven technically will 80. be the end of the C ten, but the way GM did it was they—if you think about what we call the OBS. So yep. y- you you got the trucks in eighty-eight, but then the Burbs the. Subur the, the burbs, the uh, the crew cabs, your work trucks, and your Tahoe's, they went, well, it was still a Blazer then. They okay. went to 91. So everything, everything so you can still get a 90, 91, get a Blazer, but then in 92, you're going to get your Tahoe and stuff like that. So, so those trucks actually are very desirable in the perspective of a crew cab dually. You know, let's say you get an 88 crew cab dually up to 91, sweet square body truck, slope nose. And you got a tired power plant, you're like, dude, put a 12 valve, put a 24 valve in there. Yeah. And you just you just took what was already a rad ass truck and you just made it just even radder.
1: Well that and, and that's a really good point. You know, when you come down to deciding like what power plant do I go with for something like that, to me the twenty-four valves are known for getting better fuel mileage. So if you're building your truck and economy and daily driving it, something that's really important to you, I would probably lean towards that VP twenty-four valve option. If I was gonna go budget build raw horsepower, or if I was going to go just simple budget build, I need to get this done and driving and it's badass because it's diesel, that's a home run on a 12 valve swap all day long. Now, if you want to start getting into that high horsepower shit and you want to make even say 750 horsepower, a 1960 to a 1987 chassis is not built the same way that an HD truck is. So in other words, it can't hold that twist. It can't hold that torque. And that's really where our concern is, is most of the guys going after high horsepower use that horsepower. And if you're making 750 horsepower with a diesel, you're probably somewhere in that 13 to 1,400 foot-pounds of torque range. And that's just a lot of force. You know, like the chassis just the older chassis can't hold it. So when it came to doing something like our the 58 Apache over here, there was no question. We actually did one of the videos, the first videos we did on is we laid this frame down as just a rolling frame and it's perfectly level all the way across. There's no drop underneath the door pan. There's nothing. It looks like it's about a quarter inch thick all the way through the whole frame. We're totally, like yeah we can't fucking sled pull with this. Like, I cannot hook a trailer to this thing and, and pull it at 700 horsepower and have it stay together. So, like, for there, there's no question it has to go to a chassis swap. And I think the same thing is we start to get into some of the stuff that has the common rail injection system and it has a lot of other, like, variable-vein turbo technology. There's a lot of huge advantages to going to something that's more complex, but you run into that wiring issue, right? Like, anytime you're doing a swap, it's like, well these two harnesses don't go together this is square and circle plugs right so it it's easier to do your swap if you just put the body onto the chassis i mean that's what it comes down to
2: well and you brought up some good points i mean when you talk about for for our audience when you talk about your chassis if you're going c20 or c30 you're going to have a bigger frame but it's not it's not that much bigger he's right it's quarter inch versus 316s it drops down underneath the the firewall it's going to be eight inches instead of six inches so it's bigger but it's bigger for 1972 1975. (laughs) it's not bigger for a 2014 hd duramax kicking ass and taking names so know that when you are considering to put an LBZ, you know, uh, whatever the newer, you know, what L you guys really talk about the, um, LML? Which is uh, a 2011?
1: Yeah, LML is my favorite. That's definitely my preferred platform. We don't see a lot of swaps with it. Uh, we see mostly LB7s when it comes down to swaps. LBZs are kind of the pinnacle of the Duramax. That's where everybody loves everything about them. Uh, there's very few defects from the manufacturer, so there's just less shit you have to upgrade to get the same power. But the LB7 are ch- is cheap. It's It was the 01 to 04 Duramax, so like if you're looking for one, they're easy to find, the challenge is that they're not cheap to build and they're not cheap to work on. So, like, if you want to change injectors on your LB7, which if you're buying a, an LB7 for a swap, just trust me, it needs injectors. I bill 16 hours minimum of labor just to pull the heads off and swap the injectors out. And they're only good for hundred 150,000 miles. So, like... <sighs> race cars, race trucks, like if you're doing high performance sled pull, if you're going to build that motor and throw 25 grand at a motor build, which is pretty common for a diesel like engine build, uh that's no fuel, no air by the way. Um you know, then then doing an LB7, well, it's easy to find your replacement. So you don't care, you're going to pull it out once a year, or once a season and refresh it anyways. If you want like a daily driver, the LBZ would be my way to go. I would skip yeah. the LLYs unless you're going to do an engine build, uh any of our listeners know I'm not a huge fan of the LLY rat trap is what I call it.
2: Yeah, and I've heard you talk about that exactly. You know, LB7 is kind of a win-win. You're going to get into it cheaper than you are the LBZ, yet you're going to do some modifications, whether it's injectors. What are you guys finding that's coming in? So w- so when you talk about like the way you're billing and what's coming through your door, what are you seeing guys want converted?
1: Yeah, I'd say probably some of the most common lately has been the square bodies. Um, ever since we put the Scottsdale videos out there and like even just some teaser pics, people have just blown up asking us questions. I feel like everybody had a dad or an uncle who owned this when they were a kid. Everybody either has one or knows somebody who has one. Um, so that's been like the most popular request. That and it does not matter what I post on the Durberb, but people go nuts. I get two to three calls every time with somebody who wants to buy it or wants to build a thousand horsepower Durberb. We don't, we have a really good relationship with Eric Swanson from Durberb. Like that's the actual company, right? So I don't step on his toes. He doesn't step on mine. I just send people straight to Eric and he handles those swaps because he's good at them, you know?
2: It's funny to hear you say that because it's really the best of both worlds, especially when you come into GM. Okay. So it's like, I've got a square body truck that, you know, your eighty five Scottsdale, that you can pick that up cheap still. Oh yeah. Um now you can go to a you can still get a suburban, a square body suburban, you can still get a crew cab, you can still get into it relatively inexpensive. So if a guy can get the GM, you know, a Zuzu diesel <laughs> and then and then I remember as a kid, I think um I can't remember what magazine it was, but I remember they, uh, they were going to do like an HD suburban and it was a teaser and it was in like trucking magazine or something. They're like, Oh, some guy was red and some guy built it in like Israel or Dubai or some shit. Right. So it's like, Hey, this is an HD bourbon with like a, at the time it was probably the LB7. So it's no brainer that guys are going to spend that type of money and it's, it's I mean, you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting rad shit, and you're putting a rad power plant into that just rad ass truck. It's it's a no. That's why they're so popular, and that's why they're going to continue to get popular. For you guys, start stocking up on trucks and start stocking up on these motors because it's going to happen. I mean, it is happening. You're seeing it happen right now.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you bring up the square body bourbon. There was this really, really rare option of a Dually Suburban with the square body front end. And I'll tell you right now, if I find one of those, I know I can get the boss to buy it on the spot. I mean, it is, it, they're hard to find and they usually want a mint for them, but they are so fucking badass. And it's a Dually suburban? Are you kidding me? Like, that's end of the world shit, man. Like, literally, that's end of the world shit. I, I just, that one I could see going all out for. I could see doing a whole nother body project, you know, totally restore. Like, I could see going crazy with it because they're just, They're awesome, you know, but like you said, they're they're cheap when you can find just the normal square bodies. And I'll say, like, even that. And I'm not nearly as familiar with these older GM gas trucks, you know, as like you guys are. Um, There's that like late '70s, early '80s suburban that was out there too. That thing's a monster, man. Every time I see one, it's lifted on 37s, and I'll tell you what, it, it grabs my eyes, no question.
2: Yeah, are you guys seeing more two wheel drive or four wheel drive that comes Uh, through?
1: Just about everything's four wheel drive. It's really rare to get into the diesels and get two wheel drive. Maybe some of the balls out dragsters or some like guys who just didn't care. Uh, My boss Jamie, big shout out to you for having a two wheel drive. Ha! Um, But yeah, no, all of our worlds it's it's so heavily four four wheel drive. Sled pulls four wheel drive. You have to have it. The two wheels drives are. It's a totally different thing. It doesn't even work. And then drag strip, you know, you got all this torque. You got to be able to get it on the ground. The easiest way to do that is to break it up between four wheels instead
2: of two. Do you think you've brought up the poles a lot? Is it it just doesn't seem as popular out here on the West Coast? Is that something that's just just kicking ass out there? It's just starting
1: on the west coast. So you guys got like uh, DX2 Alligator ATS. Those are some of the big like diesel performance guys out near the west coast. They're just starting DX2 in a really big way, getting into the sled pulls and getting guys out there. Uh, they actually built their own sled pull track. But it is, it's like we're in the center of it. Like Ohio, Illinois, Iowa. This is where sled pulling started. This is where it's the heaviest. This is where. Like we have people literally drop fifty, sixty grand into a ten thousand dollar LB seven, so that they could go sled pull, which is crazy to me, right? Like that's a a stupid expensive toy. It's not even like a boat that you get to use four times a year. It's a truck that I mean, you you're thirty seconds at a pull. That that's all you drive. Is is you drive for thirty seconds and you're done. But guys love it, man. And I mean, it is it is one of the most exhilarating sports you'll ever do under thirty miles an hour, for what it's worth.
2: It's cool to watch. I, I'm almost thinking they must just transition from the lawnmowers up to the drag poles because I, I I don't see the lawnmowers racing around here, and I see that shit on YouTube. And, <laughs> it's, it's like I I got a little John Deere 144 tractor, little lawnmower, and I'm like, you know, I look over at my son and I'm like, we need to drag this thing. Let's let's have some fun. But I could see it. I think I think. Um, For guys, obviously, it's in our blood to just race anything and, and, uh, you know, anything we can do to make it bigger, faster, stronger. And if you got some money behind it, then it's a no brainer.
1: You know, I think sled poles, the big appeal there is like everybody who buys a diesel allegedly buys it for towing. Right. So how do you prove your truck could tow more or is more powerful towing than the guy next to you? And then you got a bunch of redneck farmers like us. We're like, well, we should do this in the dirt and drive a big ass sled into the ground and see who could drag it through the ground. It's like the most raw, stupidest competition you could think of. Like there's there's no eloquence to it. Right. Like you don't get style points, Uh, but it is raw horsepower in action. And like, that's what we like to see, you know, and we've seen some some gas trucks, so a lot of gas trucks get out there and get sled pulling by us. And I'll tell you what, every one of them is square body. There's nobody who, who, I should say, there are very few people who pull anything that has curves on it. So we're talking, you know, 85 and back is what we see in the gas world uh, at the pulls. And they do great, man. They, they kick ass. They're loud as fuck.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the monster trucks. Uh, when I found out those trucks were just gas trucks, I was kind of, flo- you know, just floored. It's just like, holy shit, man. It's like, are you kidding me? But they're so loud and that's why we love them. You know, it's it's like, if you can't hear it, you're, you're not feeling it, you know, and that rumble. So the one thing I have down is really when I had uh, my 12 valve, my 96, it had the automatic behind it and it was, probably the biggest reason why I sold it. was garbage? I would, well, and when I'd be <laughs> under load and I'd be I'd be going to the sand dunes and I'd be going up a hill, if I stayed in it, I was good, man. I could keep that thing. I could keep my <laughs> RPMs up. But the second somebody got in front of me and I had to come off of it, I was done man i was bogged down and i i would i learned to drive that automatic like it was a you know a 4 speed it was like <laughs> drop it shift it up to second because i'd get so pissed uh so what we need to talk about is whatever you guys are going to consider when you put in your your diesel conversion what's behind it cuz that is probably just as important
1: Oh yeah, yeah. This is a big one too for the Cummins line. Like I've always kind of mocked Dodge and and Chrysler in general. They haven't built a decent trans since the '70s, and even those were questionable. Um, it's just not their strong suit, right? So pretty much, no matter what they've made it up for an automatic, they've had problems. However, they do own the record on like some of the most classic manual transmissions. So if you're anybody who could even deal with driving stick and you're going to go down that line of the conversion, I would very strongly recommend uh, the NV4500 and the other Cummins manual transmission options. they are way easier maintenance, way less cost on on building them up. Getting a clutch is a lot more affordable than building one of those auto- automatics. Now, if you're a drag racer, those are a little bit later models than those are some of the most appealing ones. Uh, they, they do do great for... You know, aggressive uh, clutch after clutch after clutch, just applying the pressure and keeping keeping you moving down the track. But for daily drivers, reliability, stock stock form, they're uh, they're pretty much garbage. Now you can do Allison swaps and get into an Allison, but if you got that pocketbook, I would hope you're already looking at a common rail. You, you know what I mean? That's like that that big jump there. Like, I guess if you found one and it was a score and you got a deal on it and you could make it all work for a low budget, it could make sense. Uh, But at that point, you know, you're probably six, seven grand, at at least four grand to build one of those transmissions. And then nowadays we're having a harder and harder time finding core parts. So if you don't have a good core to start with, you're pretty much out in the woods.
2: Without a doubt. I, I'm trying to think of the company that my uh, my father-in-law used. He has a 24 valve. I think he just hit like 330,000 miles on it. Um, but he set off his tranny to get built. I can't remember somewhere out here, West Coast. It's been phenomenal. And the bottom line is consider dropping at least, I think, I think Paul's being nice at least five, if not six K on a tranny. If you're going automatic versus that 4,500, because that 4,500, I mean, it's going to go all day long and depending on what you're going to do, you know, if you're going to shift or not, but you want to talk about money, you better factor in that tranny and what tranny you're going to run behind, whether it's, you're going Cummins and we should bring up, Duramax, I mean, I know like the vans they came with the 4L80 whereas obviously having like an LBZ with an Allison, that's what I have for my daily, but I know the service vans and little box vans, they they have the LBZ, but you're going to get the 4L80, you're not yeah. going to get that
1: at Allison. So we we have one of those. We have a uh, like a LBZ basically, and then we had the 4L80 in it, and my boss had this great idea of, "Hey, let's swap an Allison in this thing and we'll we'll run some times. We'll be the only guys with an Allison in it." Uh, so we did it. It was a fucking nightmare. Just by the way, the wiring on it, nobody knows it. It doesn't exist. Uh, we used to get guys to call us all the time because I, unbeknownst to me, somebody videoed me drag racing it at the track at a diesel day one time. And I like smoked this 12 valve, which was pathetic because I ran like a 13.8 in it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um,. So I run a 13.8 in it. Somebody videos it and puts it on some diesel website. And I got calls literally for three months about, oh, I want to put an Allison. I want to put an Allison. Cool. You're going to lose your cruise control. You're not going to have switch-on-the-fly tuning. Um, you're going to lose a bunch of your gauges. And good fucking luck wiring it in because I'm pretty sure they had tinfoil, bubble gum, and, and Bailey wire down there to keep that damn thing together. We finally pulled it out. We said no moss. Um, a built two-wheel drive Allison is you know like a unicorn. You just... Nobody sees it. Nobody has them. So we went back to the 4L80, same fucking times. Just by the way, just for anybody who is wondering, like, oh, could I be faster? Could I be stronger? Guys build those 4L80s all the time. So apparently, I guess we should have looked. You could just have somebody build the 4L80 with a kit, and you're pretty well just as solid as whatever you're going to do with a van, you know?
2: So they, I'm assuming, just from, you know, they just like cut everything took the 4L80 out, put the Allison in, and then just figured out, like, hey, this wire goes here, you know, a little Doc Hollywood, and just, you know, made it happen, and next thing you know, you're losing your cruise, you got, I mean, did you tune it? I mean, how oh, are yeah. your ships
1: Yeah, so, so we tuned it, we tuned the engine, we tuned the trans, um... Without switchable tuning, it's pretty straightforward, but we had to change the operating system. So we had to change a van chassis to a truck operating system. This gets into kind of like the tuning world of this, right? Once we change that operating system, we don't have total support because it's not the same ECU. I know it looks the same and it has the same part number, but it's not the same when I go to flash it. So when I go to flash it, I lose the ability to have switch-on-the-fly tuning, which are all of our other LBZ stuff like your truck. You have five positions. You rotate the switch. It switches the tune once you change that os on the van you lose that so so then as far as like dialing it in you can dial in the trans to to correct the shift points and apply the correct pressure and things like that you get a little bit of torque converter lockup strategy on those lbz's which is nice um but it's not like total control you know the newer stuff the 11 to 16s i can tell the transmission to do anything and it'll do it properly the the O six is I got to work with my engine cal and kind of work them together to get the best results. So we got it as good as we could get it. We didn't really have a purpose for the van. Uh, It was kind of for, like, remote tuning stuff we do once in a while. Uh, But other than that, it wasn't like nobody was driving it every day. Nobody was using it every day. You know, it was kind of just one of those toys that, like, it was a project and then it sat. So as we started to look at it, like, the wiring and the install was all, quote, unquote, custom. Uh, So in other words, like, none none of it fit. Right. Like there there was usually you could buy a harness, like like something from diesel conversion specialist to where you just plug into one end and plug into the other end and everything works. Well, it wasn't like that. We had to hardwire it all, but there was no resources. So there's nobody to call on it. And although we know a lot about Duramax and Allison's, we're not we're not GM. I don't have the schematics for what all these wires are. Right. Like we've only researched and developed what we needed to for our purposes. So when it got into that project, I remember our mechanic, I want to say, like, three to five days of just wiring, like, just wiring in the transmission. And at the end of all of it, it was totally un- unnecessary. It's just not fruitful.
2: I bet he was so pleasant to be around for that three days and probably about a week after because, <laughs> dude, that just sounds like a spaghetti pile of shit. you trying sh- to figure that out. and then And then not even knowing from a schematic perspective, like, I mean— it's that, yeah. I mean, that would be very hard. That would be that's almost impressive, like crazy impressive that he was able to do that. Uh, and then you're driving it down the drag strip to make it even better. <laughs>
1: uh, if you thought he was in a bad mood, then you should have seen his face when we told him we were going to put the 4L 80 back in it. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the like I shot a puppy, his puppy right in front of him, man. That one hurt. That one, he was not happy.
2: Yeah. Hey, Chuck, did you take pictures? Because we're going to have you put it back, you sons right. of bitches. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, we're going to lunch. Let us know how it goes. So <laughs> so for, for the C10 Nation, if uh, if you're going to do a diesel conversion, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about that you guys talk about is going to the 24 valve and that being progressive and that being programmable, whereas the 12-valve is not. And you seem to kind of like those uh, from you know the, the handful of episodes I've caught. You guys like those those 24-valves and newer, and then up into the common rail. So look at that. And, and like Paul's saying, what is your objective? Are you looking at fuel mileage and reliability? Are you looking at a little bit of both? Are you looking at just all-out balls of the walls? So then you're considering that common rail, which is what? 03 and newer? You got it. Yeah, for the comments, for sure.
1: Yeah, it, okay. it's always a it's always a tough call. You know, I, I wish there was like a simple like matrix you could say this is what I want, so this is what I should go buy. But unfortunately, it, it's just not like that. You know, finally we do have a tuning option for the uh, we call them VP trucks. It's uh, that ninety eight and a half to two thousand two. That's when they went to the twenty four valve setup, a little bit more uh, electronic controls. Uh, we got a VP pump, which is uh, a lot of electronically controlled pump. Finally, but it doesn't have. Common rail control. Common rail injection system, we could write anything. You know, we, you could put any set of injectors, any turbo you want on it. We can make it right. Uh, 24 valves, we have a lot better. It, it's definitely a growing industry, which is surprising for how old these fucking trucks are that guys are still buying them and still modifying them. Um, we've made huge strides compared to what's available on the market in tuning. I, I just. I have this like soft spot in my heart for common rail injection because I, I love the science behind it. I love the way that it works. I, I know it. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where I'm like, if I was going to build any diesel, there's no way it wouldn't be a common rail. Honestly, it would be really hard for me to imagine a swap that doesn't involve an LBZ. Like, personally, because that that's just where my heart is when it comes to doing that. Um, I know at the shop they're starting to talk about doing one of the brand-new 2017 engines we got from Gale Banks. Uh, so we actually have the new L5P, which is untunable, uh, but it is badass. So I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Nick was kicking around some ideas on our last episode about maybe putting it into a, another square-body truck or maybe some different other older truck projects. I personally think that... Um, Yeah, we'll we'll wait and see, you know, we'll wait and see where it goes or or what how far we take that.
2: Now, what about this like two point eight that you guys were talking about where you can get it in a box? I mean, I'm Cummins Repower. Oh my god, I mean can you imagine? I think I'm thinking guys have gotta be looking at that. You know, looking at a a crate motor that you can get that's brand new in the box, two point eight Cummins and I mean that I just think the sky's the limit here, guys. So whether or not we keep these old trucks and then you continue to look at what power plant you want, now you can get one, you know, brand new. I
1: think this would this is going to to like revolutionize diesel swaps. I, I really do wholeheartedly believe that. I've been tracking that Cummins repower project since they first made their first Facebook post. I am fucking giddy about it, like a schoolgirl just waiting for this thing to come out. I've already started to hear about a few of the leaks. Uh, you know, some guys already have some of the betas, so it's really really cool to see how this is going to progress forward. I know they're marketing it heavily on the Jeep side. They're really thinking that like Jeep owners who want to be off road need like a good fuel efficient solution because God knows jeeps don't get good gas mileage but I see this more on your world I see this more in the trucks going into like a a, a truck looking for something because now you don't have to do a chassis swap because you're not going to be making you know 1500 foot pounds of torque however if you wanted to there's already guys in Taiwan this this 2.8 liter in the Duramax side has been released in Taiwan for a long time Cummins has had their smaller engines around for a long time overseas and other places not this one specifically but very similar. I think you're going to be able to see huge power gains out of this if you put the money into it. It'll take a few years for the aftermarket community to have that available, but it it will come. And I think that's where these things are going to be awesome. You're going to be able to have a a C10, which weighs what, 5,000 pounds, 5,600 pounds curb weight, pretty common.
2: Yeah, no, I don't even think even depending short wheelbase, I don't even think they're that much to be honest with you. I mean, they're so, so you look at the frame, you look at a guy putting that in. So more of your short bed, you know, your single cab short bed, single cab long bed, most guys cut them down. Now the biggest conversion for us in the C 10 world is taking a long bed and making a short bed. That's by far <laughs> the conversion. Uh, and then really LS, I mean, LS is a huge thing. So whether it's, you know, four, eight, five, three, uh, six, oh, You know, those are the big things guys are doing. But now I think kind of like you said, this West Coast thing, this East Coast thing, pushing this West Coast thing, you're going to continue to see more and more. A good buddy of mine, Big Ten Garage, Jason Bowman, he put a 12 valve in his '77. Crew cab, uh, square body, dually. He just got done putting one in a Suburban, which was in a 69 to 70 Suburban, but he actually put the, uh, let's see, uh, the VE pump. So the 89 to 93, I think the, what is that? Is that considered first gen or first gen is a 90, yeah, first gen. So he put that in this, in this Suburban. And, uh, he lives by me, so I kind of watch him. You know, I kind of check out. He's kind of one of the biggest reasons why I actually had the balls or the wherewithal to even buy this, you know, Cummins and decide. <laughs> it be. But uh, I watch what he does. You know, the big thing for the guys is wh- how do you mount this thing? You know, how you? it's not like you're just taking your big block mounts or your, you know, s- small block mounts and you're putting it in there. He's actually on the Suburban. He had to kind of notch the frame pretty good and then reinforce it, build a bracket. Now, there's a guy that lives, you know, here in Phoenix, just up the road from me, and he, uh, Dirty Dingo, he's looking at maybe making some different motor mounts. Um, That obviously might be something you guys either do or look to do. How'd you guys do it on your Scottsdale?
1: Uh, well, that's a that's a body swap, oh, yeah. Yeah, you
2: yeah, had the body swap, yeah. So I wonder how Diesel Conversions does it if they – if they because really you're going to have to have some sort of different motor mounts. And that – you know, the, the funny thing about the 12-valve is it goes all the way back, sits right there on that firewall. It does. goes right to the firewall. And then you've got exhaust. You've got, you know, there's the tranny going to be. Um, so there's a lot of little things that, you know, as you guys continue to grow this – segment of our aftermarket world and that smaller two eight is gonna be a no-brainer because you got you got you know you got a shit ton of room in there.
1: Well it it's you got the room and I think you're gonna have like this awesome finished product where like you said you're gonna have a warranty on your engine. Nobody with a swap has a fucking warranty on their engine but you're also gonna get killer fuel mileage. You got something that weighs nothing compared to the trucks that these usually go in and you and it's going to just run forever. So like as opposed to the guys who do a swap and then change something a while later, or then maybe even change the whole driveline five years down the road, I don't think that's going to be the way it is. I think guys are going to put this in, and all of a sudden they're going to be like, "Holy shit! I have a practical daily driver." You know, you do an LS swap and a bunch of bunch of mods to it. You you can't get better than twelve miles to the gallon. It sounds nasty, but you can't drive it in your neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like it starts to become a more and more restrictive use car. Um, I think with the 2.8 liters, you're going to get something that people are like, fuck, man, I can buy this, you know, whatever, this 65, throw a 2.8 liter in it and drive it every day because the cost of ownership is going to be dirt cheap
2: on it. Dude, bingo. I mean, you guys, you go to buy a new truck right now, not 30, (laughs) not 40. I, I laugh at how, you know, for me, I have a couple original titles for some of my trucks. 2200 bucks i mean (laughs) you're under three grand grandma or grandpa or mom or dad they dropped no more than 3500 bucks on a truck and to think that you know not me i know what i paid for my 07 classic which is just a fancy way word of saying leftover uh (laughs) that's really what it is but i wanted the lbz i knew what i wanted and i like the body style of the 07 classic versus the newer truck yeah but uh I know what I paid for that truck. I paid 44 k in 0, uh, 6, uh, December of 2006 I bought that truck. So now guys at work are dropping 75 I know a guy who's got a 16 Dually, a crew cab Dually, big boy rodeo truck, and he's got like 85 in his truck. Holy fuck.
1: I mean, That's supercar just, money. It's, it's literally, I mean, maybe not like balls out supercar. Like you're not driving a Ferrari, but you get into a Porsche for that. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> yeah no a doubt. now he's got the Denali and so on and so forth but you're not getting in a, a newer 16 17 shit around the corner 18 Denali even whatever nice truck I don't you can't get in a truck for 50k man I mean no. it's tough if you're depending on what you're looking at but that's what's so cool about these old trucks you can find a C10, C20, C30, K10, K20, you can still find them. You can find them for under five, let's just say under seven or eight, cause you find a primo and now you can get this 2.8 or you can go find a 12 valve, 24 valve, you know, LB seven, maybe an LBZ if you, if you're lucky. And now you've got something that's going to last you. I mean, all of 10 years, 20, 25 more years, because that metal is going nowhere. Now, you guys nailed it with the Scottsdale. I'm telling you guys, C10 Nation, <laughs> listen to. I'll link it over because the episode. I don't know. It's like four episodes ago. You guys were just jacking around inside this Scottsdale, having the best <laughs> time. You did a great job of making me feel like I was there. I could hear it. I could hear the turbo. Um, but I thought it was so funny was how you guys talked about how loud it is in the cab and how that sheet metal. And I just, oh. you know, I just on my square body my uh crew cab which is yellowstone you can't put enough you know dampening in that damn thing so (laughs) if you're gonna factor a tranny budget you better you better factor in some uh you know i use silent code and roy changed the name to vibra vibration code or some shit but i can't remember i'll have to check with him but i'm telling you guys spend the money on getting that cab because it's it's loud
1: Oh, it's –
2: you know, I've been in shit with hood stacks, uh,
1: which is basically like no exhaust. It's like a pipe that just shoots up six inches out of the hood, right, off the turbo. And I've been in a lot, a lot of loud gas cars and shit like that. That Scottsdale, man, you hear that thing and, like, it's so light. It's it's, it's so light compared to what we drive. It's the right height. It's the right wheelbase. When you set those conversions up right, man, they're just – you can't help but smile. I mean, we did the video on it, which you can check out on YouTube uh, for the podcast page. But, I mean, I literally – I'm I'm shit-eating grin ear-to-ear the whole fucking time we're behind the wheel because it is crazy. Like, you feel your heart racing as the turbo's coming up and having a conversation. For, forget about it, man. It's the perfect vehicle to take a long trip with your wife because the, you're not going to hear any complaints.
2: Hey, babe, I can't hear you. I'm listening to the podcast. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. I'll talk uh-huh. to you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look good. You look good. <laughs> I can't remember if you guys mentioned it. Did you say what the what the torque in the horses was on that uh, thing? We're
1: 640 horsepower, probably right around 1,200 foot-pounds of torque. Diesel's real easy. Anytime we are we just take it, it's about 190% of your horsepower number is what your torque is. So you're, yeah. you're just shy of double. But yeah.
2: Okay, so now let's go into my audience dailies okay i i'm going to say 30% of us drive diesels daily so whether it's uh I, there's probably some power strokes out i doubt it i don't <laughs> see 10 guys but but i do think that there are some um, I'm that sure. are probably yeah. running our strokes um what what do you guys What are you offering? So you guys are the tuners. You guys are tuner specialists. Um, What about maintenance, taking care of it, you know, kind of going from a crossover to their old C10 conversion and then getting into their daily and taking care of them on their daily?
1: Gotcha. So. So, obviously, I'm host at Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, that's where I get to have the most amount of fun, but I do actually have a real job, and that's working at Duramax Tuner Calibrated Power. We're the same company. Um, so, we specialize in diesel performance pretty much for your Duramax Cummins and very soon to come the 11 to 16 power strokes. Um, it's tuning, man. Like that's where we started. That's that's where the blood is at. You know, is uh, we started with custom EFI live tuning on the Duramaxes back when it very first was released. Now we do MM3 tuning, which is like a custom touchscreen monitor uh, for the Cummins 98 and a half to 2017. We also manufacture turbos in house, which has been a lot of fun to see that that project go from the first idea to when we had somebody else we designed it and we had somebody else make it. Now we're actually making turbos in-house. It's it's really fucking cool. We do transmissions, we do builds, we do pretty much anything you need, injectors, fuel all the way up. Um, you know, that's that's what our lifeblood is, you know, is actually doing the performance parts. The Duramax stuff is really big for us, especially the newer, the more popular it is. So the LML emissions equipped performance. That's probably what we're most known for right now. Uh that and our turbo line, the stealth sixty-four turbos.
2: Do you see most of the stuff coming in house or do you are you shipping products? How
1: ninety kinda... percent of my business is shipped. Yeah, yeah. We're we're mail order, so I have uh I think we're up to just over 300 dealers across the country. Uh, so we work with all the way from the big XDP alligator thoroughbred type guys uh, all the way down to the small guys that are just a one-man crew running a, running a shop on, as a side hustle. We work with just about everybody that we can to be able to get tunes on customers' trucks. So there's some different tools that like some shops have to be able to flash a lot of trucks. Other mail orders just drop ship the product. So pretty much wherever you're shopping for diesel performance, we should be there.
2: You know, the one thing I really liked, you guys, somebody said it, it may have been you, Paul, but kind of like why I liked the LBZ was, and I knew that I was going to buy the classic, was because I knew from what I had researched and read was that, hey, you know, the government, the EPA is coming down, you know, oh, it's Obama, he's going to take all our diesels away, (laughs) Uh, essentially was that the emissions was going to change. And I see it in in our fire trucks. I mean, literally, we used to lay two pre-connect hose lines in, on our front bumper. And then they said, we can't have that because we've got to have so much airflow on our fire trucks for emissions. Well, now you've got def and you've got so many different things. But one thing I really, I just like that you said, I like, like that you. Uh, again, I'm paraphrasing for you, but it was essentially the LML in the sense that even with the new emissions stuff that you have, you're still able to do amazing things with those trucks. So don't feel like, because I feel like a lot of my audience, we're going to be old school. We like old school trucks. We want, you know, less is more. I want more fuel. I don't want emissions. I don't want, because half the time we got, you know, for us in Phoenix, we got to go through emissions, you know, depending on how you're registering your truck. But uh, you're dealing with that all the time. And, and the bottom line was to, to hear you guys say, hey, these even though these trucks are, you know uh, EPA out. There's still a lot you can do with them.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. You know when it, when it first rolled out, we hated emissions as much as anybody else. You know the idea that they were going to put this big ass filter on my exhaust and force me to pump exhaust back into my intake seemed crazy. So when it first came out, we were against it, just like the rest of the world. But the difference is, is we realized one from a legal standpoint, we had to do something with it. We had to see what our options were. Or we just were going to have to get away from tuning. Um, but the reality was is the further we started to dig into it, the more we started to learn about it, the more opportunity we saw with it. You know, I mean, I always give the comparison. Back when these trucks were first coming out, they all had catalytic converters. Everybody cut them off. But you don't do that on a brand new truck today. You know, if you buy a go buy a brand new Dodge Hellcat Demon, you don't go and cut the catalytic converters off. It passes emissions the way it is. It took time for the factories and for the OEMs to be able to develop equipment that was going to work. But at the end of the day, the fact that emissions is there doesn't matter if it works. So what we found was we found ways to make it more reliable. We found ways to work with it. And we found out that, one, I can make 520 horsepower on an 11 to 16 truck with nothing but a tune and a lift pump. If you delete it, so if you remove it, put an exhaust on it, buy an EGR delete, you spend all this extra money and you tune it with a delete tune. It's going to make 530 to 535 horsepower. It's a 10 to 15 horsepower difference. Who the fuck would spend the money for 10 to 15 horsepower that it costs I me? Mean, you're talking about 400, 550 dollar exhaust. You're talking about you know a couple hundred bucks for your EGR delete kit, and and it's more expensive of a tuner. I just if it works, who gives a shit if it's there, right? That's yeah. that's that one linchpin. The guys who fall in that, that brand new new body style, that 07.5 to 10, they're in a little bit tougher of a situation. They didn't have def, so they used a lot of EGR, um, and the DPF is half the size that it was – on the 11 to 16s. So that that LMM range, that brand new new body style stuff, they have a tougher time. We usually see those make it about 100,000, 150,000 with the emissions equipment on. After that, you're out of warranty and you have to pay to repair it. That's when it comes down to where do you live, right? If you live in Phoenix and you have to go pass emissions equipment, well you're going to repair it and we're going to tune it emissions on and you'll just deal with it. If you live in Idaho, that's probably not the same option you're going to take, you know, and we're, we're realistic about that. We're not trying to have give anybody bad advice, right? Like if it makes sense for you, we can help. But don't just read all the bullshit you read on the forums and believe it. You know, the DPF is not the devil
2: bottom line is just, you know, the information that you get. And what I I hear is a lot of it is now we know because of so much history, if you're going to go buy yourself a Polar and you want to have a Polar to pull your C10 to the shows or whatever, now we know what diesels to consider and buy. You know, if you can buy, you know, an LML, you're probably better off than buying the 07 to 10 truck because there's so many problems. It's no different than we bust balls. I got a guy at work. I bust his balls almost every day about his 60 Ford. Well, <laughs> we we had those at work and they and they're gone. They're just such pieces of shit. I told him, I'm well, dude, sell this thing now while you can. And he's just like, No way, right? Well, we kind of have history on our side. We can look back and you can say, okay, this is gonna cause this problem. And so to hear these guys on their podcast, if you're looking for what to buy, uh, you know, for yourself, you know, because I, I think a lot of our audience is like, yeah, I'd love to have a diesel, but I got to buy an older one because I can't afford a, afford a new one because they're $75,000. Well, fuck, who so can I... afford
1: an old one now? You you know, your LBZ is worth $100,000 just posted on the forums. <laughs> These fucking guys. No, it is. It, it is because the exact, the exact problem you're talking about, right? So th- there's this perceived value of pre-emissions equipment that it's somehow worth more. So people are willing to spend ten, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 more than what the truck is worth, so that they don't have to have emissions equipment. Hey, smart guy, I got a calculator, I'll let you borrow it. Spend the money on the new truck, get a warranty, tune it with emissions equipped, you're gonna make more horsepower, have a truck that's more reliable, and you get air cooled balls. How do you beat that?
2: Commonsense.com, Paul will be the host of the new podcast. It's gonna come out on Friday nights from the hours of three to five. It's funny because I'm in I'm in the good seat because I have the LBZ. So it's funny because even guys at work it's like you know it's I bought it for 44 and sometimes I'm like I think I could probably get 25 I don't know if oh, I can get 28 but it's like minimum. it's like holy shit I've got 140,000 miles on this truck and it hasn't depreciated all that much that that's uh, kind of a rare occasion for me I you know sometimes I I buy these things and really even my 12 valve my 96 uh, that thing I sold it and I made money on that thing I mean so it's funny how you know these older <laughs> diesels again uh, we we hope that some of this information doesn't catch up to the buyers but for my audience for your audience we want them to be informed and it's like you guys use your head there's cool shit out there and the cool thing about truck guys car guys is they're trying to always push that envelope
1: yeah yeah
2: you brought something up about the catalytic converter and it's funny how I did that on my 96 I cut it out and then it was a site test for our emissions so what I did is I hollowed it out and then put it back in <laughs> so it was essentially just a site test but for our audience and they're doing these conversions what do you recommend that's a huge thing we didn't really hit on it Tranny's important and getting that heat out of that truck getting that heat out of there Are you going 4-inch all the way? What are you looking at?
1: Um, You know, with diesels, I know we talk a lot about exhaust, but to be honest with you, the exhaust isn't restrictive. Even your stock exhaust going up to a 4-inch, you're not going to see a massive drop in your EGT control. Number one thing you should do is if it's electronically controlled fuel injection, you should tune it. That'll be your best way to gain fuel mileage, power, and lower EGTs. The next thing you'd be looking at for any diesel, up your air. So if you want lower exhaust gas temperatures, meaning that, like, there's less stress on the motor. EGT is a way we measure stress on the motor for a diesel, right? So if you want lower EGTs, you want less stress on the motor, you need more air. You do a turbo. That, that's just that's just all there is. The cool thing about diesel is how incredibly fucking simple the science is. Fuel, air, compression. That's it. There's no spark. There's no timing. There's no – all that other bullshit goes out the window. That's what you need, Um, There used to be this big push to go and buy cold air intakes and buy a big exhaust and get cold air in and get hot air out. Well, on a 12 valve, that's still true because everything's mechanical. Anything that's electronically controlled, you can kind of throw that concept out the window. It's all electronically controlled. We could just tune it to get those same results. So that's why I say tuning's your first step. If tuning's not enough, you have your tranny sorted out. Your next thing is doing a turbo. Then if you want real power, we're going to do a turbo and a fuel system. And that'll, that's all there is to it.
2: Cool. There you guys go. I mean, you can, hopefully we gave you just enough to just get your asses in trouble. Um, <laughs> the, the, the overall thing you do, if you're listening to season talk, you need to listen to these guys. It, it's a no brainer. And if, uh, if we can help you we will i mean i i know enough just to get me in trouble i mean the the diesels are fun i like the reliability i get in it starts up um you know we don't get that cold here so that's one thing You know, although, you know, it is funny to think that guys do plug them in here in Arizona. Sometimes (laughs) I go out to the farm station sometimes a guy will have one plugged in in the back of the station. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, yeah, I don't want my truck to get too cold. You're like, dude, we live in Arizona.
1: It's right. (laughs) Not below freezing. You don't need to plug it in. Good rule of thumb. No, thank you so much for having me on today, Ronnie. I really appreciate it. We're going to be posting this with Diesel Performance Podcast as well. Guys, make sure you take a minute. Check out C10 Podcast. Ronnie's been doing this for a little while. Uh, It's an awesome, awesome show. I'm definitely a fan of the show. I listen for every episode. We want all of you guys to jump over there and check it out as well.
2: Paul, how do we get a hold of you? If, they, if the guys want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? uh are at the shop. You personally, what's the best way?
1: Yeah, so uh, definitely if you're looking for just general advice, especially if it's about swaps or something that's maybe off-brand for Duramax Tuner, reach out to us at the podcast. We have a Facebook page. If you send us a message, I'm usually the one to reply, either me, myself or my co-host, Chris Emke. Uh, we'll get back to you within a day or two. Otherwise, you can always hit me up at the shop, Duramax Tuner. I'm at 815 568 7920. I'm extension 2122. Ronnie, for our listeners, if they want to learn more about C10s, what's a great way to get a hold of you?
2: Same. C10 Talk. uh, They can email me, Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, at C10 Talk. Uh, Instagram is probably where we spend most of our time, either uh, C10 Talk or C10.Nation. And then our our, uh, homepage is C10Nation.com. And that's where you can find gear uh different you know different things from uh the podcast uh, everything that we have going on we'll be out in texas we're going out to a show here in a couple weeks so we'll be out there not going to make it all the way to illinois i will say which is funny is on my schematics i think illinois is is uh like number five at worst number six so there's a lot of c10 guys hanging out over there uh we always hear about texas cali arizona florida but uh you know Illinois, and you guys are repping pretty good out there, so that's kind of a cool thing.
1: A lot of C10 fans out this way, man, for sure. We see them on the roads all the time, which is shocking with the amount of salt we have, but guys get them out in the summer, for sure.
2: Yeah, and then they can repair them. One thing, you guys, <laughs> if you're going to listen to a show, if you want to get hooked on this podcast, just like I did, uh, listen to that Scottsdale swap one, because it's so funny to hear you guys. It's not a long show, but just to hear you in that truck, and uh, for me why I like your podcast you know is that you guys have fun you know just have fun you don't really <laughs> change it up you're doing what you do you have fun and uh, and when when I'm listening I have fun listening to you so so that's kind of a fun thing that you get to just by kind of uh, you know living through what you guys are doing out there and and you got to pinch yourself because you're having a good time doing what you're doing and you love your <laughs> you get paid you get paid just kick ass and, and do cool I, shit
1: i still can't believe they let me out of work an hour early every friday to do this shit but i i appreciate it man we've gotten we've been blessed with so many huge strides here uh getting to meet gail banks which is you know one of all, all of our idols uh getting to go out to the ultimate call out challenge which is the biggest diesel event uh ever uh things like that are, are really huge for us and then also of course getting to come on to c10 talk and talk to you ronnie we really appreciate
2: it Oh, you're too kind. What's the next step for you guys when you look at the diesel world and you look at that 2.8, you what what do you see happening in the next few years with what everything that you guys have going on?
1: I think there's <sighs> I think there's the right now the OEMs have this chase for horsepower right out of the factory. And I think the next big thing we're going to start to see is um, packaging for each one of those. Right. So every time a new truck comes out, we we see a rush to market with a couple of like random products here and random products there. And then it usually takes a few years for somebody to come together and put it into one Consolidated package, I think we're going to see a shorter time response on that. So, as you go out to buy brand new trucks, it's going to be quicker and quicker to be able to just buy a simple parts package that brings it up and above and beyond to the horsepower level you want it at. I mean, when your LBZ came out, it said 360. I know on when you lifted the hood, we roll them about 300 to the rear wheels here. Um, that, that was still they were able to hold an extra 30 horsepower than their predecessors, right? Then we came out to the LMLs, they were 400 horsepower. Well, you used to have, like, you would have to build your trans to be able to do more than 400 horsepower. But on an LML, all I have to do is a tune in a lift pump, and I'm at 500. With l 5 ps already at 445 horsepower. Once we're able to tune it, we'll get a better idea of how far we can take that. But it seems like every few years that that daily driver horsepower number, you know, where people are like, no, you can drive your truck at 500 every day, or you can drive your truck at 600 every day. Eventually, we're just going to get to that point to where we're like, hey guys, you can do a thousand horsepower every day. I mean, we could do that package now, but it's expensive. Right. And so that cost per horsepower is getting cheaper and cheaper. That's why I think those, the, the parts packages to do it all at one time and guys just be done is, uh, is probably what the next big phase is for diesel.
2: I remember when Dino, Dino's a big guy in the C10 world, when he got his first, I think he got an LB7, which was his first diesel, and now he's got a 17. Once you go diesel, you don't go back. That's uh, it. It's just one of those things where if you pull with a big block truck, you've got an old square body, maybe an OBS truck, and you've got the Tonawanda 454 in there, and that, that thing was so rad when it came out you know, in the early 90s. And then you go to a diesel truck and you're pulling your truck, you're pulling your fifth wheel, you're going camping, whatever it is that you're pulling, and you can constantly stay in that. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's a habit you just you want it and you want more so that kind of going full circle that's kind of funny to hear that you know i'm saying the same thing about your diesel pole (laughs) and you're telling me that guys are getting 500 plus horsepower out of new trucks that are amishified and it's a no-brainer so it's cool shit man
1: awesome well thank you so much for your time today ronnie i really appreciate it man
2: okay buddy so this is going to post for these guys tonight uh today it's friday the i don't know is it the first it is the the first. first So, so uh, for me and my audience, I don't know if I'll be getting it out that fast. I probably won't. But, uh, yeah, Paul, it's cool. Uh, good to, to kind of just meet you finally. And I love what you guys are doing. Stay in touch, and, and we'll go from there. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Have a good weekend and uh, beer 30, dude.
1: Sold. <laughs> Talk to you later. Man, Ronnie was filled with great information. I'm so glad that we got a chance to catch up with him, guys. If you're looking for more about C10s, if you're passionate about that old body style, C10Talk.com, uh, or I'm sorry, C10Nation.com, or the C10 Talk on your podcast app. Ronnie, thanks again so much for uh, taking some time out to talk with me. Listeners, thank you so much for making it all the way through. Again, please donate to Art at PSPDiesel.com and make sure you check out ronnie wetch at c10 talk uh everybody's just been great thank you so much for listening have a great night
0: Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel
1: Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Chris at C-E-H-M-K-E at DuramaxTuner.com. You can also reach him by phone. Chris's extension is 2121. Paul's is 2122. It's the perfect vehicle to take a long trip with your wife cuz you're not going to hear any complaints.
2: Hey babe, I can't hear you. I'm listening to the podcast. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead I'll talk Uh-huh. You
1: later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>